that we can rejoice in your faithfulness. Your steadfast love never ceases. Your faithfulness is renewed unto us every morning. Father, thank you. That we can enjoy your grace. We can enjoy your love. For you have loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. For you are spirit. You are spirit. And the day that worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Father, that you have given us a new spirit, a new heart you have given unto us that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We praise you and magnify your name. In Jesus' name we have worshipped. Everybody say it. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Good to see you all again this evening. I was... Um, if there is a time I need, and it is grace, it is now. My strength is really drained. My body is drained of strength. So, Father, I just thank you for the strength. Um, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I receive your strength now. So we want to continue um, with um, leading like Jesus Christ. Leading like Jesus Christ. And last week, we began by looking at the principle that um, was introduced in the video that we watched last week. The first session said, to lead is to serve. To lead is to serve. And the Lord Jesus Christ modeled the principle of parenting like he does. And that is to lead with a servant's heart. To lead with a servant's heart. To lead is to serve, and to serve is to love. And to serve is to love, not only loving, but love with compassion. And Jesus demonstrated that with his disciples. He loved them unto the end. And last week, we also looked at the four domains of leading like Jesus, the four domains of leading like Jesus. The heart, the head, the hand, and the habits. And we say the heart are the, our intentions and our motivations. Our intentions and our motivations. Do we lead to be served or we lead to serve? What are our intentions? What are our motivations as we lead, even as parents? And we saw that parenting is the most important leadership role that we can have as believers. So today we are going to take a step further. We are going to be looking at the heart. What is the heart of leading like Christ? Every leadership, and especially for parenting, begins from the inside. It begins with the heart. It's like Jesus wants to give us a heart attack. He wants to get into our hearts, change our desires, change our nature. Of course, he has already done that as believers. How many know that we are new creation in Christ Jesus? We have been changed on the inside. Indeed, the way that God designed us to work was to work from inside out. You see, you cannot be an effective leader. You cannot be an effective parent if your heart is not right with God. So it starts from the heart. Jesus wants to get in there and teach us how to love, how to care, how to be honest, how to be serving people in order to lead like him so that the change that is on the inside of us, the new creation that we are, the holy people that we are, the sanctified people that we are, on the inside will begin to come out on the outside, even as we lead our families. Amen? Um, so we are going to, again, going, going to have a very short uh, video clip, um, The Heart. 
And after that, like we always do, we'll have discussion, we have questions, and uh, we will see the takeaway that uh, each of us or all of us might have out of the video. So if you don't mind, can I, can we have the video clip, please? The heart. Leading like Jesus as a parent is first of all a spiritual matter. Whenever you have an opportunity to influence the thinking, behavior, or development of other family members, the first question you need to answer leading like Jesus. Leading like Jesus as a parent is first of all a spiritual matter. Whenever you have an opportunity to influence the thinking, behavior, or development of other family members, the first question you need to answer is, am I motivated by self-centeredness or by God-centeredness that allows me to focus on those I'm leading? The answer to that question starts on the inside. It's a heart issue. If you don't get the heart right, you aren't likely to become a parent who leads like Jesus. In this session, I'll look at the long-term perspective Jesus has and that every parent needs. Phil Hodges explains how a kind of ego, edging God out, causes us to make choices that hurt our families. And Tricia Goya describes how we can do the opposite with another kind of ego, exalting God only. That's a pattern that Jesus set and one worth following. to the heart of leading like Jesus is to constantly ask the question, whose am I? Because that gives you an internal perspective. Because when you talk about whose am I, you're talking about who you're trying to please. And it's not your neighbors, it's not your friends, you're not trying to impress them. It's the good Lord that you're trying to please. And, and that's so important. It gets you out of your own way. And, you know, I'll never forget, I was doing a session recently on Lead Your Family Like Jesus. I had 140 men, and I was leading them through a process of what their mission statement is. And this one guy was telling about his process with his family. And he said, I, we, my wife and I agreed that our mission was to be great. And so we decided to present it to our kids. See? And they said, our mission in the family is to be great. And he said, my four-year-old son said, Dad, don't you think our mission should be to be grateful? Mm. And he said he got tears in his oh, eyes and all because that's an internal perspective. And the four-year-old just picked it up beautifully. And I'll never forget Charlie Tremendous Jones, who was really important in our ministry. And he had, you know, his executive books. And Charlie's biggest goal in life was to give books away, particularly about the Lord. You know, he would get a book like from Oswald Chambers. I just love it so much, you know. And he said that you're going to be the same year after year, except for the books you read and the people you meet. And Charlie got uh, inoperable prostate cancer. And I'll never forget, I called him when I found out. And I said, Charlie, I just called you to tell you I loved you. He said, I'm so glad that's why you called. He said, can you imagine these friends I have? They're calling me to pray for me, praying to keep me out of where I wanted to go all my life. You know, and so, I mean, he always had this incredible perspective. And I remember I talked to him about a week before he passed uh, away and went back home, as he said. And he had lost his voice because of the tumor. And I said, Charlie, when you get there, are you going to tell us what it's like? And he said, I wouldn't have the words to describe it. If I did, you'd probably commit suicide. <laughs> and even at his funeral, talking about an eternal perspective, he had a huge picture of Jesus then a smaller picture of Oswald Chambers, and then a real small picture of Charlie Tremendous Jones. And so I think it's so important of us as parents to recognize who are we pleasing? 
Whose am I? We had the opportunity to travel to Haiti in February, and while we were there, we met these really amazing, godly missionaries, and they not only had these spiritual gifts, but they also had practical gifts. For example, the man who took us around and was our host during our time there played the guitar, and so he was able to lead worship for his small community. And there was a group of women who came back to the States and, and trained to be midwives so that they could go back and take care of women there. And what struck me while we were there was like, I need to be approaching my children's lives with this instead of it being about him being a good soccer player or being a good football player. What are we teaching him that he can use that's going to make eternal significance, that's going to make an eternal impact? One of the mistakes so many people make is we're so wrapped up in the things of this world and we think that we need to prepare our children to be either wealthy or to have good credit or a nice house and be able to have a nice car. And that relationship with God and how we're going to treat each other, how we treat people, and those relationships um, and our character is the thing that's going to last throughout. So that, that, that eternal perspective is, is really important there so we just don't get wrapped up in what we have right here. The whole business of getting the perspective you need to lead like Jesus would be to have that the heart attitude that he had and he calls us to have. And the biggest issue we've identified about the uh, human heart is the human ego. And we're not talking about Freud. We're talking about an acronym called edging God out. And there were three things that we talk about edging God out. One is the object of your worship. And I don't care what you put in it. It could be anything. It could be good works. It could be your family. It could be your health. It could be whatever it is. <laughs> and if it, anything takes his place, then you're going to start to uh, have a shaky foundation on things. And another way you edge God out is who do we look to for as our source of self-worth? Do we look at to build it ourselves or it isn't in the unconditional love that God has given to us that we can't earn any more of? Another one that's really come to me, too, is where do we go for wisdom? You know, there's a lot of people who want to give you a lot of stuff about everything, including parenting. And Jesus calls us back to the Father for, as the source of wisdom. And why would we go there? Well, you know, his perspective comes from a fairly high point of view. He knows us before we are born. He sees everything we do, and his intentions are so much more uh, right on for what he wants to do through our lives and our family. So if we edge him out and go someplace else, we're starting down a false kind of a path. And then as Ken said, you know, who are we trying to please? And when that happens, the two manifestations of that in our leadership or even our thought are pride and fear. Uh, we seek to build ourselves up and protect our own position and you know, our opinion's the only opinion, our role or our authority is where we come out of, or we come out of fear, and that is protecting of ourself, our own self-image and so forth. And this can happen with a parent in dealing with kids, as well as it can be as a CEO or somebody else. And the import of those two things coming together and where the heart really gets challenged is pride and fear always isolate. And I think about it, it's always isolates man from man, man from God, and man from himself. And I think about moms in particular for some reason who are, you know, inundated with the troubles of the day. And if they get isolated, and when the walls start closing in, you start ending up with one of two kinds of uh, feelings, that of a martyr or a victim. And nobody's out there to understand and then you start to act that out as opposed to being a loving, listening uh, person in the lives of your kids. And the other one is it's always going into comparison, trying to r run your family like other families. One thing I loved came to us when I was writing about this was every family is like a snowflake. They're all unique. There's no family that's been like yours, no family will be like yours, but we have the one place we can go that knows that family in particular, and that's the wisdom of God. And we can ask about what's going on there uh, in that particular way. And then the last thing is ego, uh, when we get into it, and the pride and fear distorts the truth. It makes some things look more important than they are, and then it makes some things that are important less important. And that can mess up our agenda and it's what we've got going on in the family.
I was completely edging God out. Now that I look back, I'm ashamed to say that. I mean, for example, this is one thing that David and I have been working on. I'm not an aggressive person, but with him, I was just a shouter. I was like, David! And, you know, God just started to deal with me about that. He was like, is it really necessary to shout? You know, and so I just began to truly uh, become more deliberate about my my character where my son is concerned, uh, because I realized that um, unless I show him who Christ is, I'm the only parent in the home. Um, he's just never ever going to know who Jesus really is. One of the biggest things that I've taken away is uh, egomaniac, um, changing my ego mindset of you know this family is here, it's my family, this is what we're doing, you know. And that will trickle down to your kids. And I'll actually sit there, and I was telling my wife the other day, I say to myself, my name's Luke. I'm an egomaniac. And it's, it's kind of corny, uh, but it works, you know, in a lot of meetings. And doing that will change my mindset, and I'll think, okay, I need to pull back a little bit and stop trying to be like, you guys are serving me, you know, uh, let me serve you. I think when you're a parent, you're kind of in on an autopilot kind of switch and you're you're just going, especially when you have a hectic schedule and you immediately forget who you are and <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing. So I think uh, it's hard to remember that, okay, I'm supposed to be exalting God, but I am in traffic and I'm upset because I have 20 minutes to get somewhere and I'm like an hour out and you just that hustle and bustle of life I have to like literally stop and say okay Angelita you have to take a break you have to take a breather you know you have to pause that's when the ego the negative ego creeps in and it's not a good thing at all <laughs> it's not a good thing so Edging God out is what we say is the, the bad condition of the heart, but the flip side of that is exalting God only. And Tricia, why don't you take right. us through there's that? There's another e ego. So there's edging God out, E-G-O, or exalting God only. And as a mom, you know, I'm there with my kids and we're doing scripture verses and songs and I'm thinking that I'm exalting God only. But then there's that comparison that you both mentioned. Um, and I remember when we first moved into our house, we have only been there a year, and the owner said, you're going to love Jill across the street. Well, she's right. I love Jill across the street. Um, she sends cookies over. I've asked her to babysit one time at 11 o'clock at night. Um, her smoke alarm was going off, and she texted me to see if I had a 9-volt battery, and my son ran it over. So this really good friendship is building. Well, then her daughter turned three, and we got invited to her daughter's birthday party. Well, I'm telling you, she outdid Martha Stewart. <laughs> there were every little girl, she made a tutu for them. They had a dance teacher come in and do a dance class. She had ballerina crafts. The table spread was something from a magazine. And I was just, I didn't want to leave the party. I'm like, <laughs> I want to stay, I want to have the tea party. It was so much fun. Well, then a couple months after that, I was doing a cookie decorating party for Christmas. Um, and my first thought was, oh no, do I invite Jill? And if I do, what am I going to have to do? And I was already working through all these comparisons. I you know, made all the cookies and had all the frosting. In fact, I was still making frosting when everyone came over. And I thought, oh no, Jill would have had decorations and this and that. And God really spoke to my heart. Am I really worshiping myself and my own pride or am I exalting him? And in the end, all we had was cookies, all we had was frosting, we had a ton of kids, and we did, you know, songs and Christmas songs and really talked about God. And that was exalting God only. But so many times in life, we want to compare ourselves with other people. And we then, like you talked about, we want to isolate ourselves because, oh no, I'm not as good as Jill. I don't do as good at parties as Jill. Um, but instead, when we exalt God only, we really have to put our heart on the altar. Um, and alter our ideas. And really that's a place of sacrifice. That's a place where we say, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm not as good as a party planner or not as good volunteering in my child's school or whatever it is. And just going before God and saying, God, who do you want me to reach out to today? How can I show your love? How can I exalt you in everyday life without that comparisons getting in the way? I think uh, being a single mother, um, I find myself comparing now that I'm maturing. I do look at other families and I'll, I'll see the, the father and the mother and, you know, I do, you know, 
I compare, but then, you know, I realize that I have a unique situation and, and, you know, that's what God has in the script for me. But yes, I, I compare. Right now I've gotten to the point to where I am comparing myself to other families. I'm like, whoa, this mom's doing this, this mom's doing that. Like that kid's never crying, this mom never complains. And in the end I'm thinking, you know, I'm such a bad mom because I'm not doing what this mom's doing. Sometimes you feel like you're not important or anything and you're so stressed and you just like feel like breaking down. But I learned from someone that if you just like look into their eyes, then you will feel very important. Because like, if you think about it, like <clears throat> looking, when you look into your child's eyes, it's like, you know, no one can ever take your place. You know, it's interesting. Uh, everybody thinks of false pride as an ego issue, you know, because they think they're better and all. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people haven't thought of fear and self-doubt as an ego issue. And yet it really is, because what are you focusing on yourself and, you know, protecting yourself Wanting and to look good. all that kind of yeah. thing. In fact, it's really interesting is uh, Thomas Harris years ago wrote a book called I'm OK, You're OK. And he said the worst life position was I'm okay, you're not, which is false pride. Right. I'm a big deal, you're not. And all the research shows that people who are coming from false pride, I'm okay, you're not, are really covering up not okay feelings about themselves. So all of the ego issues are coming from not okay feelings and not accepting the unconditional love of God that we're absolutely perfect with him as our partner. Grace is really fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. One thing I remembered that was real helpful in looking at where we get off track as individuals and as, uh, as parents is what Robert S. McGee said about what Satan would love you to buy into as a view of your self-worth. And he said, if Satan could get you to believe that your self-worth was equal to your performance plus the opinion of others, He'll have you running an always anxious, never satisfied, always at risk life. And when we try to do that as parents, we're gonna drive ourselves crazy and also our kids. You know, talking about uh, comparison and, and uh, you know, playing into others, you must have blown people's mind comparative while, you know, here you got grown kids and you go and adopt two young brothers and sisters, I mean, what right. are you trying to do? I know, and I can't compare myself, and I can't compare the old, the younger kids that we've just adopted from the foster care system with the kids that we raised, that we, you know, had them from birth, and, you know, those crazy kids that you see in the grocery store screaming at the top of their lungs, I've had those kids in there, and it just makes you just see you never know where someone's coming from. You never know what God's doing in their life. You know, people don't know as these kids are screaming and trying to grab stuff from the the shelves that they're new to our home. They've had difficult past, and you know, and we're just trying to love them and care on them. You never know where someone is. So when we're comparing ourselves, we either have pride or we could have those feelings of oh, I can't compare to this person. But really, we need to be looking to God and just knowing that okay, God, how am I with you today? Instead of saying how do I compare compared to those people around us. You know, I've always felt that, that grace is really understanding that everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. And a pastor was telling me recently, he was running a youth uh, session, and this one kid came in, he had all kinds of tattoos, and he was very disruptive and everything. So he said to assistant pastor, I want to see this kid after the service. And the kid came in his office, and he said, what's your story? And the kid lifted his shirt up and turned around and he had all these marks in his back where he had been beaten by his father. Mm. He said, that's my story. Mm. What else do you want to know? I mean, and so, you know, that's, you don't want to get too judgmental. And that's, I guess, where, you know, humility really would come in, wouldn't it? Yeah, when we talk about exalting God only instead of pride, what's the opposite of pride? And that's humility. And humility is really not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And uh, someone said that humility is really a great thing to aspire to and also to see in others, but never claim it, because once you claim it, you ain't got it. <laughs> and once you say, in my humble opinion, it isn't. <laughs> but when we start to look at, at Jesus as our model for life, uh, it's a quick way to humility. But humility doesn't mean that we're thinking that we're worthless or not 
going to be able to do things, but that we're under the influence of a higher power. And we're not, don't have to be everything, and we're also not, uh, not able to do everything by ourselves. And on the other side of, of the thing, instead of uh, fear, what is exalting God only bring us? And that's really God-grounded confidence. And one thing I loved about remembering about Jesus's family and uh, Mary and Joseph, Jesus was the product of a God-centered family. When he said that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in the eyes of God and men, and he was obedient to his parents, it showed me that really that was a place in which these things, basic things, were modeled to him, age specifically in the things he was having to do as he grew. And so this is really why leading your family like Jesus is so you know, vital to what we might do in the world and why it's such an important role for parents. All right, and he gave us our marching order too, which is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we're comparing, we're not loving. Right, amen. That's and I love, Hodge, you know, this whole God confidence. I remember when I wrote a book with Norman Vincent Peale, his favorite Bible quote is, if God be for you, who can be against you? And he said, somebody's picking on you. You go, hey, you got to be kidding me. Look who's on my side. Who's on your, your side? You know, the next session uh, that we're going to do, we've been talking about the heart. We're going to now talk about the head, which is what are your beliefs and your thoughts about leadership as a parent. And that's really important. It starts in your heart and then goes into your head. Hallelujah. I like it when it ends it with, uh, it starts with your heart and then goes into your head. All right. So um, we have like 20, 25 minutes. So we just going to have a discussion, your takeaway from from the video clip, uh, remembering that we are looking at the heart, the heart of parenting. Um, if you recall, there were there was there were two there was an acronym that means two things: ego, E-G-O. Um, one of them speaking of the bad condition of the heart, and that is what? Edging God out. Edging God out. And the other one was what? Exalting God only. Edging God out as, as the object of our worship. Is God the object of your worship? Or is some other thing the object of your worship? And as believers, anything can become the object of your worship, even your preaching, even, even your ministry. And we can edge God out of our lives, particularly when it comes to parenting. Um, edging God out as a source of your security, the source of your self-worth. Uh, how would you define your self-worth? Uh, recall uh, there was a place where he says that uh, this, your self-worth is a result of your performance and then the opinions of others. My self-worth is dependent on my performance and how people see how I perform. I mean, if your self-worth is based on your performance and the opinions of others, then you would never be happy. You'd be run, running around trying to, to please people to please people. And this always brings about what? Pride and fear. Pride and fear. Pride tells you I am better than others. You know, people go around trying to compare themselves with other families. I want to compare myself with other fathers. I want to compare myself with other mothers. And each time that we compare, we are not truly loving. Each time we compare, we are not truly loving. So. I'm going to throw this out and see our takeaways from, from that short clip. Remember, comparison, having eternal values as parents, having eternal values, and most especially, how do we exalt God only as parents or when we parent, or are you edging God out in your parenting styles?
Okay. So your takeaway comments, questions. Will somebody bail us out, please? <laughs> questions, comments. I said, every family is like what? A snowflake. There are no, there are no two snowflakes that are exactly alike. And so you cannot say, okay, um, because of what is happening with this family, um, I'm going to behave that way or I'm going to bring my children up that way because your circumstances are different. And God deals with us based on our uniqueness. Is that right? Okay, so uh, how many points have I made now? I need some in every case to look at what your neighbor or somebody else is doing. I mean, I I don't believe personally that it's it's always. Oh, it's not it's not a good thing to look at the good aspects of something that somebody else is doing notwithstanding your conditions. Yeah, are you asking a question or a comment? Or both? It seems like it's 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 is it, both. It, it seems okay. like it's advising I don't know how to put it, it's it's advising uh that looking at a neighbor mm -hmm. is aging God out. And I'm saying, you know, uh, personally, uh, I've looked at other people and, and picked up some good things, okay. you know, uh, not yeah. looking at it in any other form okay. than just being a good aspect of what I see sure. when I pick sure. that up. Sure, sure. We agree with that because looking at others, comparing ourselves with others, we have to be careful that we, we don't get into pride. I am better than them. I'm better than you. Or we don't get into fear. When, when we are afraid, we try to protect ourselves. Or we have this sense of distorting you know, the uh, truth. You know, I am not as good as them. And then we begin to have this false sense of inferiority. I'm not as good as them, and therefore I have to do something to be as good as them. Then it brings again about rivalry. Rivalry, I want to be like them. Jealousy comes in, envy comes in. So we have to be careful that when we, uh, we, we, when we look at others, we try to get you know, the good aspects from their behavior or from their parenting styles. We should never get into the, uh, you know, you know, the problem of comparing ourselves with them because when we are comparing, we are, we are not really loving. We're not really loving. Hmm? Yes, yes, yes. You know, um, one of the uh, works of the flesh is what emulation. Galatians 5, emulation. I want to be like him. I want to have what you have. And when we try to emulate, it brings about that spirit of rivalry. Okay? Yes, sir. Um, in my humble opinion, which is not humble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I woke you all up there, didn't I? Thank you. You know, this, this subject of um, emulating other people, wanting to be like other people, I think it's a very, it's a very delicate one. Yeah. And I'm not sure that we'll probably have enough time to be able to really uh, sufficiently deal with it here. I, I, I am actually on the on the other side of that. So, uh, even Paul, 
uh, says you should emulate other people only to the extent that they are emulators of Jesus themselves. So my hope is <clears throat> that in trying to emulate anyone, that we understand that there is only one standard. There is only Jesus Christ. If indeed no two flakes are alike, it will have to mean. I mean, there's a reason why they're not alike in shape, in weight, and so forth and so on. We have very distinct um, pathway to our destinies. And it becomes really difficult then when you look at another person who is maybe not necessarily where you are in your journey to your destiny uh, to try to emulate the other people. So uh, the only man that we know who has ever lived and had no fault in him is Jesus Christ. Uh, so if we really want to emulate other people, uh, I would think, you know, it's, it's re really just we should be looking on to. I understand the point that Brother G Greg is making in saying uh, there is a sense in which, uh, you know, you look at, say, uh, Pastor Bank and, and you say you want to be like Pastor Bank, or you look at Coach and you say maybe you want to be as tall as Coach, um, so forth and so on. But really, when it comes to where our lives are going, where is my life going? Uh, there is only one person I want to be like, only one person, and that person is Jesus. Just as he said, uh, looking unto Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. I don't know whether that place actually says, emulate me as I emulate Christ. I think he said, imitate me. I, I, think, I think there is, there, is a, uh, there, is, there is a distinction between emulating and imitating. I think emulating is you are trying to be better than that person. But imitating is, you know, it's just as I imitate Christ, just as I follow Christ, follow me. Follow me. I'm not trying to be better than Christ. But I imitate him. Just, he says, just as I follow Christ, follow me. Don't follow, just, don't just follow me, but follow the ways that I follow Christ. My faith in Christ. Okay. So, um, yes, any other takeaway? Any other takeaway? I, 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 I really want us to look at this aspect of comparing. The aspect of comparing. You know, we have uh, a saying here that we don't want to be like, you know, the Joneses or whatever they, you know, not the saying. Or we want to be like the Joneses. So we, we, we want to explore that and then explore this thing about having eternal perspective in everything that we do. You know, like the child, like the family would say, you know, the father said, our vision is to be great. You know, uh, my vision is, is so that you have a PhD. Uh, you know, you tell your children that. And then we don't look at the eternal perspective. You know, the, you know, the little boy said, Dad, shouldn't our vision be to be grateful? to be grateful because you know like last we you know, you know we talk about having expectations we have expectations for our children and um, uh, when they meet that expectation we raise it a notch higher and I said expectation has a way of becoming standards and standards become laws and laws we will always violate laws and when we violate laws we are angry so because law brings wrath. So expectation, expectation, expectation. Yes, sir. I think uh, part of the discussion tonight goes back to the message, the message from Sunday. And uh, it is critically important for all of us to recognize that we were chosen him before time began. And not only were we chosen him, but chosen to bring forth a particular purpose. And if that's the case then, then each family must find whatever that is for that family as a, as a, as a whole, and more importantly for each of the kids in the family. And if that's the case, then of course we cannot be comparing ourselves to one another. Because each family's goal will be to please God and to, to, become, in, to become in alignment 
with what God's destiny and identity is for each unique family. So it's something that we must be really mindful about and just uh, allow the word of God for each family to guide each unique family. Because at the end of the day, who are we here to please? We play to the audience of one, and that's God. So our success and our whatever we accomplish must be judged not in light of what's around us, That's right. but in light of the God who from eternity actually called us. Yes. The area that I need uh, help with would be the area where we need to, how we parent our children and at the same time serve them. Because uh, from my perspective and uh, from growing up, I know when you give a children an niche, they take a mile. So if you become a servant to children, sometimes they may want to take undue uh, advantage of that and uh, become wayward. And so how do you, how do we really manage that? I don't necessarily think it's giving an inch and a child taking a mile type of thing. It, that all depends on your child. <laughs> Children are gonna make, I mean, of course I wasn't too far off from being a child, but we're gonna make a decision regardless. We're, at the end of the day, we're gonna do what we wanna do. Now, whether it's um, what you've taught us or what um, or something else that we just wanna do, we're gonna do that, however, Whenever we make a decision that, let's say, is against what you've done, however you, how you as a parent come on to the child, I believe, and address the issue saying this is what you did that was wrong and how you, you know, handle that situation along those lines, that determines what I believe the child does for the future, if that makes sense. You see what I'm saying? So I don't think it's necessarily if you give a child an inch, he takes a mile. I mean, some kids are actually really responsible. Me, on the other hand, I was a different ball game, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Any other comments on that? Yes, this way, please. Thank you. I, I am so happy that something like this is being discussed in a Bible study. We, as parents, we need to continue because when you look at expectation by itself, it's not a bad thing. But you carry it to a certain level, especially for many of us that were not, were raised in a different culture. If you don't sit under a teaching like this, then it's, it's very difficult. Or comparing, you know, it's natural. You see something happens, especially to another family, you wish in your heart that it will happen to your own family, your children, but you don't want it to be carried to, you know, anything in excess. When, when you start thinking about it, you gotta watch it and pray so that it doesn't turn into envy, into fear, and all of that, you know. You can admire what is happening in a, a brother or sister's family and pray to God and believe that God can enable you to do the same thing. Another thing about comparison that I think we often uh, uh, fall into is comparing children. Mm. That is so easy. It's just it's a daily thing, you know. So that we need to also work on because that can damage a child. How do you stop comparing because they, they're so different, okay? But, you know, when we discuss it like this, I look at this as an empowerment for us Christians to look into these issues and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Thank you. I thank God that we're talking about comparison because um, 
one thing that I realized as before, even before I started having children was the Bible when David spoke about being fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, it, you, with that said, it's going to be difficult for you to try to compare yourself to somebody because you are unique in your own self. And so as my, ch as my child, as, you know, my children being uniquely and wonderfully made, it, it'll be a disadvantage for me to try to compare them to somebody else. So what I, what I try to do is I try to tell them that they are, should be made in his image. And how do you be like in his image? These are the steps that you have to take. Right. So. So exalting God. Oh, sorry. Well, I don't think um, admiring something or a character or a trait in another family is um, that bad. If I can admire um, a way a parent or a family behaves, I don't think I'm comparing my family or my children or myself with that family. I'm just admiring a, a characteristic or something. And I'm, I'm wondering too if, if there's certain um, traits or either characteristics that a family, even though we may have different, um, a different ministry or mission, but there are certain things I think every family should need. I was reading about my grandson, and it was saying 10 things that a toddler needs. And the first um, thing was they need to be loved. And then it said the second one was they need their, their daily need, they need their needs or either care needs met. And it was, you know, it went on and on and on listing certain things. So I'm just saying, in the light of that, I'm sure there are certain things that each family needs to basically needs so that it can become all that God wanted it to be. And that would be love, and I believe uh, um, loving God, you know, the fear and reverence of God in the home. Um, there should be certain different things. The need to be accepted, the need to be significant, and all of that. But again, again, it depends on you, me, parent, being linked up to the source. Because if I'm linked up to the source, if I if I know that I'm loved, I'm unconditionally loved, then I can love because it is only the loved that can love. It is the forgiven that can forgive. If I've received the total and complete forgiveness of God, I can forgive my children. I can forgive my wife unconditionally. So as long as the heart is not right, as long as the heart is not right, then we are going to have problems uh, in, these, um, in these areas. Let's quickly talk about exalting God only. Yes. Is comparing somebody, is it just spoken, which means is this something that we need to think about in your heart? Is that wrong? Because even though you don't tell your children or you don't scream it out loud, oh, you should be like other person, but mm -hmm. sometime in your behavior you can be doing something in the heart. Yeah. That makes the other child feel like that. So just because you didn't exteriorize it, it doesn't mean that, oh, it didn't cross your mind. Because you, I mean, your child might be Misbehaving, and in that speed of second, you think like, why can't you be like the other one or something <laughs> like that? And just because you didn't say it, you might do something that will make the child feel exactly how it is that you had in your heart, or even the look, yeah, or even the look that you look at the child. Yeah. But verbalizing it, because it children, you know, you know, children can easily grasp what you say. But they cannot edit the information. They don't know how to edit it. So if you tell the child, I am going to buy you a jet, the child believes that you are going to buy him or her a jet. <laughs> cannot edit it. So um, we, we should be careful what we say. You know, 
to our children. We should be careful what we say. Because if you keep on comparing me with, uh, with the other child, <laughs> guess what is going to happen? You know, I'm going to want to be, I'm going to rival him, I'm going to beat him, and, you know, fear, pride, especially if I cannot get to his own standard, I begin to have a sense of insecurity, a sense of inferiority. All right, I think uh, our time is up, but let me give us a question and then you go think about it, okay? Uh, the question is, uh, um, if you don't get, if you don't get the heart right, then nothing will make you a servant leader. You can learn all the techniques of servant leadership, but you will never lead like Christ until your heart longs to serve rather than be served. I want you to think about that. Until your heart longs to serve rather than be served, you can never be a servant leader. You cannot parent, you cannot lead your family the way that Christ led. That is to serve them and to serve them out of compassion, to serve them out of love. Amen? So, Father, we thank you again for um, leading us through um, this evening session. Um, we just praise you that um, you are walking in us both to will and to do even of your own good uh, pleasure. Thank you that um, uh, you would help us. For you say that Christ is our life. Uh, our desire, my desire is that I want to experience this life on a moment-to-moment -moment basis by the help of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that this will be for each and every one of us as parents. That the life of Christ that is already in us will be lived out moment by moment. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And everybody say it. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.